Well, I want to welcome y'all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. Uh, we don't have any special intentions in the inbox today, but I do have an intention left over from last week. A friend of the broadcast, actually a friend of mine, uh, has a business that he's getting uh, underway with a, a new business partner, and he seems as like he's on the up and up and everything looks good, uh, but he wants to be sure of everything he's getting that uh, up and going and uh, I want to say prayer for him that that he and his business partner will experience some success and that this thing will get off the ground and, and become well established you know now is not a a great environment for small and local businesses but what the service that he's providing I think is one that will be well received by most people especially in the current uh, housing market so I want to pray for him and pray for his business partner and pray for their business and uh, that they'll be successful in getting off the ground. Uh, the Father Ripperger suggests that uh, uh, every that there are sometimes guardian angels assigned to business ventures and corporations. Uh, I don't know whether that only happens when they get big enough or, or whether it happens for every entity that comes into being. If it's every entity that comes into being, I do wonder what happens to the guardian angels once the businesses go under. But, oh well, that's speculation. For I, I can speculate about that when I start asking about how many angels can stand on the head of a pen. At any rate, I want to pray for, uh, we'll call him, uh, hmm, what's the best way to secure his anonymity? We'll call him BB. No, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. BB. Because this guy's he's very far from a BB brain, so it's not... Uh, we'll just call him B. We'll pray for B. The servant of God, B. There we are. Now, if you have an intention that you'd like to send in, uh, you can send that in to requests at protonmail.com. And uh, you can provide me with a name that I can use on the uh, broadcast here so that I'm not fumbling over myself like I just was. And I will be delighted to pray for you and bring your intentions before my entire audience here so that we can all pray for you and for your well-being and, uh, and for whatever intentions, uh, whatever prayer requests you, you might have. Uh, I also have the email open for questions as well and, and comments, anything that you'd like to send in that you want me to read. And I don't mean read on the air, I just mean put in front of my face and process intellectually. You can go ahead and send that to Daily Decade Requests at ProtonMail.com. For now, I want to turn uh, all of us towards God and pray uh, our Decade of the Rosary for our individual uh, intentions and specifically for the success of this business being uh, undertaken by the servants of God. Uh, let's call them uh, uh, A and B. Oh, and uh, today is a Monday, so we'll be praying in Latin. In nomine Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Ceris, sanctificator nomen tu, adveniat regnum tu. Via voluntas tua, sicur in Cielo et in Terra. Panam Nostrum quotidianam da nobis odiae, et dimiti nobis debita nostris, sicur et nos diminimus debitoribus nostris. Et ne nos ducas in tentationem, sed libera nosa malo. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. 
Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora prodobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora prodobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc et in ora mortis nostrae. Amen. Gloria Patria, Filio et Spiritui Sancto, Sicur erat in principio, et nunc, et semper, et in saecula saeculorum. Amen. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordia, Vita Dulcedo et Spes Nostri, Salve. Ad te clamamus, exulis filia evi, ad te suspiramus, gementes et flentes in hac lacrimarum vale. Ea ergo, advocata nostra, ilos tuas misericordes oculos ad nos converte. Et Jesum, beatum fructum ventris tui, nobis postoc exilium ostende. O clemens, o pia, o dulce virgo Maria. Ora pro nobis, sancta de genetrix, ut digni officiama permissionibus Christi. Oremus. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, 
was made known by the message of an angel, made by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Nicholas of Myra, patron of business and merchants. St. Joseph, patron of workers. We ask thy intercession on behalf of the servants of God who have undertaken to begin business for the support of themselves and for their families, that the Lord God might see fit to grant them success in their ventures, and that beyond merely a means of increasing material wealth, their work might glorify God, and they in their work might find a source of faith and strength looking beyond the material work that they do to do greater immaterial works that draw men to God and draw hearts together. And this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who is God, and whose sacred heart burns and bleeds for all humanity, who with the Father and the Holy Ghost liveth and reigneth one God, world without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily struggles, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Sacritissimum Coriezu, Zerri Nobis. Sacritissimum Coriezu, Zerri Nobis. Sacritissimum Coriezu, Adveniat Regnum Tum. In nomine Pacis, Filii, Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Well, there's a couple of different subjects that I suppose I could cover today with equal efficacy. And... Uh, to be entirely honest, I've sort of put off doing the recording this morning because I was having a, a very difficult time honing in on something that would actually be useful to people. I don't want to make these into little sermons that are uh, you know, ex exposing or uh, expositioning on the uh, on the gospel here or there or doing homiletics or anything like that. I really just like to offer my thoughts on things and hope that they are useful to someone else who's been thinking about it. God forbid I should ever stray into error, but uh, it, it's not something that I... I try to stay away from subjects wherein that's a real problem, and I've always proceeded with something, uh, some disclaimer, as I'm about to, I suppose. Because the one thing that's been on my mind is trying to contemplate the, the feast that we just celebrated, and that, in many ways, we're still celebrating. We're in the octave of Pentecost, which means that we are, on the one hand, in time after Pentecost, which is part of the liturgical calendar that uh, follows Pentecost and precedes Advent. And there's a couple of feast days that fall into this time, uh, but it is a time in which most of our focus, uh, unlike the time after Epiphany, uh, is, is directed at the young church. The time after Epiphany is focused mostly on Christ and the foundation of the church, on the revelation uh, of the Son of God to man, the, the theophany of Christ in the, uh, uh, by, before the 
uh, the, the wise men and uh, also uh, his baptism. Uh, but now our reflection is on, on us and what we're doing more so than the examples that were set for us. And I suppose it's still on the examples as well because we think about the saints of the Holy Church and the teachings of the Holy Church. But it is, it's an important distinction. It's part of the reason why I really don't like this uh, division into an ordinary time, that we're, that we're back in ordinary time. Uh, and the reason why is because, on the one hand, I understand that ordinary doesn't mean you know, plain and, and, and ordinary in the colloquial sense. But most people do receive it that way, and the catechesis is so poor that they can't avoid that trap. And so the language is, is well, it's not, what, it's not the best that it could be. And moreover, the merging of time after Pentecost and time after Epiphany really eliminates the special reflections that we are supposed to be having during these times if we're trying to conform our lives to the liturgical calendar, which we ought to be doing. So here we are in time after Pentecost, and specifically in the octave of Pentecost. And so while through the rest of the time after Pentecost we're really thinking about the church and our role in it, now is a time for us to really reflect explicitly on the foundation of the church, the beginnings of the church, uh, on Pentecost when the apostles went out and preached uh, to all nations as they were commanded to do and, and were able to speak in a multitude of tongues. The gifts of the Holy Ghost are, I think, really belonging to two species. And those two species are those gifts which influence how we relate to the world and witness the faith in the world, to the world, I should say, and those that bear upon how we relate to God and bear witness to the faith before him and his throne. Now obviously in both cases you're bearing witness before God, but there are some that I think are more directly uh, related to what we do before God. Um, piety is one of those, fear of the Lord is one of those. Um, you know, there's a, a question as to whether wisdom falls into that category, but I think it does, since it differentiates from counsel and fortitude and knowledge, which really are much more influential on the way that we relate to other people. To admonish a sinner, to counsel the ignorant, these are works of mercy, and therefore inf they're influenced by what we do for other people. We live now in a time, and I've heard a lot of people criticize this particular element of the post-Vatican church where we, everything is focused on works and what we can do. I think it's a little unfair to, rel to restrict that criticism just to the church after Vatican II since this is something that's been going on in Western Christianity for a very long time and continues to go on now. Everyone's focused on what they can do and it, this happens in politics, too. Everyone has this, this do-something attitude uh, because great deeds are what human beings recognize as being worthy of praise. You know, there's that passage in, uh, uh, if anyone's familiar with the, uh, the Elder Edda, 
there's a, a passage in the, this is this, this is a collection of various proverbs of the ancient Norse people. Uh, anyone who's moved around in uh, in the kind of circles that like to quote Nietzsche, at some point they've probably quoted this too. Uh, the uh, what is it? It's I think it goes um, cattle die and kinsmen die. Uh, even you and I shall die, but I know one thing that does not die, the deeds of a great man. That's a fundamentally pagan philosophy of life. And it, it shows up, it's, it's not just in among the Germanic peoples, that's something that happens among the Greeks and the Romans as well. This is why Elysium is what it is. This, that's a place for great warriors to go. Men who have accomplished great things go to Elysium. And these great things are great things in the sight of men. Now we know as Christians that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. And that that which seems great to man is often counted for very little by God. In fact, Kempis makes a great point of this in The Imitation. He says not to focus on winning fame and glory before men. Because then you glorify yourself and you don't glorify God. And so... In general, we always have the temptation, as human beings, to do things which gain notice by others. To do outward physical signs, community service. And we have, in large part, I think, become a religion of community service. And it's not just the Catholic Church that does this, but in America in general you see this. I think you see it throughout the West. There's so much focus on the world and on serving the world that we lose sight of the fact that any service that we offer in the world is meant to be a, a means to glorify God. Just like the, the charities that sent money to uh, the uh, pagan depths of Africa and Asia where we had missions, sent money to the missions. Well, the, the acts of uh, the, what we would call charity were really directed as a means to draw people's attention to the church and get them to convert because it's not interested in saving bodies that's you know to to save or to kill a body is a small thing but to save or kill a soul is a great thing and to save these souls from those that would kill them is a far greater task and it is the primary focus or was the primary focus of the missions and so that's part of the reason why these things are they're always means to a greater end and when we talk about the Holy Ghost and the role that it plays in our life and our life as Christians inevitably we have to bear in mind that even those things that are directed outward are always things which must be directed towards God and draw people upward to God it's not good enough just to be wise it's not good enough to just do great things in the sight of men. One has to have the wisdom of God and draw people to the source of wisdom, the fault of wisdom. Because we know that we can't do anything on our own. And drawing other people, convincing us, showing other people that we can't do anything on our own. That all the good that we do, any good that I do, even through this broadcast, is not done by me. And I don't take credit for it. That's why none of you know my name. Because any good that I do comes from God, and any bad that I do comes from me. And it's not worthy of this. I don't want to attach my name to anything bad that I do, and I don't want to uh, be uh, guilty of plagiarizing the Almighty. 
which is what we do when we take credit for our own works. It's a, Bishop Sheen had a, something that he said uh, when he was asked how many converts he had made, and he said, I, I never count them, lest I should begin to think that I made them and not God. And that's an important element of everything that we do, is that any good that we do comes from God. And so anything that we bear witness to in our deeds or in our hearts, we bear witness for the glorification of God. At the very end of the imitation of Christ, there was something that struck me. I, I have a very great devotion to the Blessed Sacrament, as I think a lot of you have as well. And I receive communion eagerly. I long for it. I really do. It, it's an incredibly uplifting experience. And this is not uncommon. It's fairly normal among Christians who have the real presence you know, in, their, in their belief system, for Catholics in particular, for whom it's so clearly defined. But Kempis highlights, and I think it's something that I had not thought about and that I think most people probably have not thought about, by doing this, we actually diminish our relationship to the sacrament because we are making reception of the sacrament about us primarily. Whereas what we ought to be doing and we ought to be thinking about is the reception of communion as an act of private witness to the glory and the, and the miracles and the mercies of God to receive communion for him rather than for ourselves. And I had not thought about that before in the sense that when we approach the altar rail or in the Eastern Rite, when we approach the chalice, so many of us approach for ourselves primarily. But we reap fewer benefits by doing that than if we approach for the glorification of God to make of this sacramental act an act of witness and therefore a good work. The idea that the reception of a sacrament could be a good work is, uh, now that, that may just go to show how poor of a Christian I am that I haven't thought about that before. But there, this is an interior witness, which is what the Holy Ghost ha gives us the ability to do, to witness interiorly to the glories of God. And it's what we're called to do. And that's what the apostles were called to do to bear interior witness to the glories of God. It's popularly believed and it's held as a not quite dogma of the church but certainly as uh, a very firm tradition of the church that after Pentecost none of the apostles committed a single mortal sin. I don't see any reason not to believe that um, even if it's not doctrinally defined that none of them committed a single mortal sin. And how could they, really? It, it, that's the witness that they bear. That's, what the, that's the power that the Holy Ghost puts upon them. And so, as we th begin thinking about Pentecost and going forward from Pentecost, here in the octave and then all down the road, when we think about how we witness to the faith, it's very important for us, I think, and it's something that I'm taking upon myself is important, to think about the way in which we bear witness interiorly and ask ourselves if we bear witness primarily interiorly or primarily exteriorly and why. 
And, it, and it's my prayer to start the season of Pentecost that all of us have the clarity and the, the gift of, of wisdom and of knowledge from the Holy Ghost to see clearly the way in which we bear witness to the faith and the way in which we ought to bear witness to the faith. And it is my prayer that all of us have those two things in perfect conformity because then in bearing witness to the faith in both the exterior and the interior we glorify God both exteriorly and interiorly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.